Hello, and welcome to FRE's Book Club, where we read so you don't have to. Today we'll be reading Alex Rider by Anthony Horowitz. Chapter 5 Toys Aren't Us. In the London office, Miss Jones sat waiting while Alan Blunt read the report. The sun was shining. A pigeon was strutting back and forth along the ledge outside as if it was keeping guard. He's doing very well, Blunt said at last. Remarkably well, in fact. He turned the page. I see he missed target practice. Were you planning to give him a gun, Miss Jones asked? No, that's not be a good idea. Then why does he need target practice? Blunt raised an eyebrow. We can't give a teenager a gun. On the other hand, I don't think we can send him to put a talent empty-handed. You better have a gorgeous business. I already have. He's working on it now. Miss Jones stood up as if to leave, but at the door she hesitated. I wonder if it's occurred to you that Ryder may have been preparing him for this all along, he said. What do you mean? Preparing Alex to replace him. Ever since the boy was old enough to walk, he's been trained for intelligence work, but without knowing it. I mean, he's lived abroad, so he now speaks French, German and Spanish. He's, he's been mountain climbing, diving and skiing. He's, he's learned karate. Physically, he's in perfect shape. She shrugged. I think Ian wanted Alex to become a spy. But not so soon, Blunt said. I agree. Not as I do. I learned that he's not ready. If you send him into sale enterprises, he'll get himself killed. Perhaps. The world was cold, matter of fact. He's 14 years old. He's old, he can't do it. You have to. Blunt stood up and opened the window, letting in the air and the sound of traffic. The vision held itself off the ledge, afraid of him. This whole business worries me, he said. The Prime Minister sees the Stormbreakers as a major coup for himself and his government. But there's still something about Harold say, say what I don't like. Do you tell the boy about Yasin Gorgorovich? No, she shook her head. When it's time you did, it was just killed his uncle, sure of it. If Jacket Jackson was working for sale, what would you do if Jackson kills Alex Ryder? That's not a problem, Miss Jones. The world gets himself killed. At least it'll be final proof that there's something wrong. At least it will allow me to spur the storm project. You could look at what's going on in Port Talon. In a way, it would always help us if he was killed. The boy is not ready yet. He'll make mistakes. It won't take him long to find out who he is. Miss Jones sighed. I don't think Alex got much out of the hall. I agree. Blunt turned a bit back from, from the window. The sun slanted over his shoulder. A single shadow fell across his face. But it's too late to worry about that now. We have no more time. Stop the training. Send him in. Alex sat hunched up in the back of a low-flying C-130 military aircraft. His stomach churning behind his knees. There were eleven men sitting in two lines around him, his own unit and two others. For an hour now, the plane had been flying at just 300 feet, following the Welsh valleys, dipping and swerving to avoid mountain peaks. A single ball of glowing red behind the wire mesh added to the heat in the cramped cabin. I listened for the engines vibrating through him. It was like travelling in a spin dryer and other microwave combined. The thought of jumping out of a plane with an 
Oversize and Cabela would have made Alex sick with fear. But that only that morning, he been told he wouldn't be jumping in front. A message from London. They couldn't miss him breaking my leg, it said. And Alex guessed that the end of his training was near. Even so, he took out a pack of parachute, how to control it, how to exit a plane, and how to land. And at the end of the day, the surgeon instructed him to join the flight just for the experience. Now, close to the drop zone, Alex felt almost disappointed. He watched everyone else jump, then he'd be left alone. P minus five. The voice of the pilot came over the speaker. They stood in metallic. Alex gritted his teeth. Five minutes into the jump, he looked at the other men, shuffling into positions, checking the cords that connected them to the static line. He was sitting next to Wolf. To a surprise, the man was completely quiet, unmoving. It was hard to tell in the half darkness, but he could. The look on his face could have been almost fear. It was a loud buzz and the red light turned green. The assistant pilot had to climb through the cockpit. He reached for a handle and pulled open a door set in the back of the aircraft, following, allowing the cold air to rush in. Alex could see a single square of night. It was raining. The rain howled past. The green light began to flash. The assistant pilot tapped the first pair on their shoulders and switched them to shuffle over to the side and then throw themselves out. The moment they were there, froze the doorway, and they were gone like a photograph crumpled and spun away by the wind. Two more men followed, then another two. Wolf would be the last to leave, and Alex, he would, be, he would be on his own. It took less than a minute. Suddenly, Alex was the only one who was where that only he and Wolf were left. Move it, the assistant pilot shouted over the roar of the engine. Wolf picked himself up. His eyes briefly met Alex, and that moment Alex knew. Wolf was a popular leader. He was tough and fast completing a 30-mile hike, as if it was just a stroll in the park. But he had a weak spot. Somehow he had allowed his parachute jump to get to him, and he was too scared to move. It was hard to believe. There he was, frozen in the doorway, his arms rigged, staring out. Alex glanced back. The assistant pilot was looking the other way. He didn't see what was happening, and when he did, if all failed to jump, it would be the end of his training, and maybe the end of his career. Even hesitating would be bad enough. He debinned. Alex walked for a moment and both hadn't moved. Alex could see his shoulders rising, falling, as he tried to set one courage up to, to go. Ten seconds had passed, maybe more. The assistant pilot was leaning down, stowing away a piece of equipment. Alex stood up. Wolf, he said. Wolf didn't hear him. Alex took one quick look at the pilot. Then, without his own strength, he slammed his foot. He slammed his foot into Wolf's backside. He put all his strength behind it. Wolf was caught by surprise. His cans coming through. As he plunged and just swirling in the air. The assistant pilot turned around and saw Alex. What are you doing? He shouted. Just stretching my legs, Alex shouted back. The plane curved in the air and began the journey home. Miss Jones was waiting for him when he'd walked into the hangar. She was sitting at the table, like a grey silk jacket, and shrouded with a blank, black handkerchief above her top pocket. For a moment, she didn't recognise him. Alex was dressed in a flying suit. His hair was damp from the rain. His face was pinched with tiredness. 
these, these seem to have grown old after the past two weeks. None of the men had arrived back yet. A truck had been sent to collect them from a field about two miles away. Alex, she said. Alex looked at her, but said nothing. It was mad to stop you from jumping, she said. Open, not disappointed. We just, just thought it was too much of a risk. Alex sat down opposite her. I have something that might cheer you up, she went on. I brought you some toys. I'm too old for toys, Alex said. Not these toys. She angled down and a, and a man appeared. Out of the shadows, carrying a tray of equipment that he set down on the table. The man was enormously fat. When he sat down, a metal chair disappeared beneath the spread of his buttocks. Alex was surprised he could even take his weight. He was bald with a black moustache and several chins. He tore Milton into the next door and finally into his neck and shoulders. He, went, he, he wore a pinstripe suit, which must have been enough material to make a tent. Rivers, he said, running at Alex. Very nice to meet you, old chap. What have you got for him, Mrs. Jones demanded. I'm afraid I haven't got a great deal of time, Mrs. Jane. Servers replied. His hand was nothing for a 14 year old knight carry with him and, and adapt it. He picked the first object off the tray. It was a yo yo, slightly larger than normal, black plastic. Let's see, let's start with this, Mr. said. Alex shook his head. He couldn't believe any of this. Don't tell me, he exclaimed. It's sort of some sort of secret weapon. What exactly? I was told you weren't to have weapons. Too young. So it's not really a hunger gate. Pull the string and run like hell. Certainly not. It's a yo-yo. However, the string would have a very special sort of nylon. Very advanced. It's 30 yards of it. And, and it can lift weight up to 200 pounds. The actual is motorized and clips onto your belt. Very useful for climbing. Amazing. Alex was unimpressed. Then there's this. Then this produces a small tube. Alex read the on the side. Zip clean by half your skin. Nothing personal. This is rather pathetically. But it'd be foil something for a boy of your age might carry. And it's rather remarkable. You open the, the tube and just use some of the cream onto your finger. Completely harmless from touch it. But Bring it into contact with metal, it's another, quite another story. He wiped his finger, spilling the cream onto the surface of the table. For a moment, nothing happened. Then a whistle of, of acid smoke twisted up and upward in the air. The metal sizzled, and a jacket hole appeared. You do that just about any metal, Spivers explained. Very useful if you need to break through a lot. He took out a handkerchief and wiped his finger clean. Anything else, Miss Jonas? Oh yes, Miss Jay. You could say this is a piece de resistance. He picked up a brightly coloured box that Alex recognised once as a Nintendo colour Game Boy. What teenage that would be complete without one of these? One comes in full game. And the beauty of it, beauty of it, is that each cartridge turns the computer to something quite different. He showed Alex the first game, Nemesis. If you insert this one, the computer becomes a fax slash two photocopier. Which gives direct contact with, up with us and vice versa. Just pass the screen across any page you want to transfer it and we'll have it in seconds. Which is the second game, Exoset. This one turns the computer into an x ray device. Place the machine against any solid surface less than two inches thick and watch the screen. It has an audio function too. You just have to plug in the earphones. Useful for eavesdropping. It's not powerful as I like, but we're working with it. 
The third game was called Speed Wars. This one's a bug finder. You can use com- the computer to sweep a room and check if someone's trying to listen in on you. I suggest you just remember and rise. And finally, my own favourite. He says, held up a final cartridge. It was labelled Bomber Boy. Do I get to play this one, Alex asked? You can play all four of them. They have all have built in game functions. But as the name might suggest, this is a smoke bomb. This time, this time the cartridge doesn't go inside the, into the machine. You leave it in the room and press start three times on the console. And the bomb. The bomb will set off by remote control. Use the camouflage if you need to escape in a hurry. Thank you, Smithers, Mr. Jones said. My pleasure. Mr. Jones stood up, his legs straining to take the huge weight. Hope to see him again, Alex. I've never had a couple boy before, but I'm pretty sure I'll be able to think of a whole host of quite delightful ideas. He wandered off and disappeared through a door that clanged shut behind him. Mr. Jones turned to Alex. You'll leave tomorrow for Port Talon. You'll be going under the name Felix Lester. And they an envelope. The real Felix Lester left for Florida yesterday. You'll find everything you need to know about him in here. I wrote it in bed. Good. So then she, she was serious and Alex found himself wondering if she herself was the mother. If so, she could have have had a son his age. She took out a black and white photograph and laid it on the table. She showed a man in white t- a white t-shirt and jeans. He was in his late twenties, with light close cropped hair, smooth face, the body of a dancer. The photograph was slightly blurred. It had been zen from a distance, really with a hidden camera. I want you to look at this. I'm looking. His name is Jason Gorkorovich. He was born in Russia, but he works now for many countries. Iraq has employed him, also Serbia, Libya and China. What does he do? He's a contract killer, Alex. I believe it was he who killed the Indian Rider. There was a long pause. Alex has always managed to persuade himself that this has been some crazy adventure. The game. Look at the cold face with his blank eyes. There was something stirring inside of him. I know it was fear. From his uncle's car, shattered by bullets. A man like this, a contract killer, he would do the same thing. He wouldn't even blink. They thought he was squeaky six months ago in Cuba. Maybe a coincidence, but how I would say is that at the same time, the two of them may have met. And, and there is something else. Why do you use the code in the last machine he said? A single Y. Why for Jason? Mr. Senior said something. He wanted us to know. Why are you telling me this now, Alex asked? His mouth had gone dry. But if you see him, Jetson is anywhere near CEO Enterprises and you to contact us at once. And then we'll pull you out. Doesn't matter how old you are, Alex. If Jetson finds out you're working for us, he'll kill you too. She took the back photograph back. Alex stood up. We'll leave it tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Be careful, Alex. And good luck. Alex walked across the hangar, his footsteps echoing behind him. Miss Jane had unwrapped the peppermint and slipped it into her mouth. Jeff will be smelled faint to your men. And as head of her special operations, how many men she sent to her deaths? Even by dog, perhaps dozens more. Perhaps it was easier for her if her breath was sweet. There was a movement ahead of him. So the parachutes that had duties had been gotten back from their jump. They're walking towards him out of the darkness with all three other men from Kayun at the front. You're leaving, Wolf said.
Now he must have heard that Alex's training was over. That was a long pause. Over on the plane, Wolf, he began. Forget it, Wolf, I said. Nothing happened. You jumped and I didn't. That's all. Wolf held out her hand. I want you to know what's wrong about you. And you're all right. Maybe one day, it'd be good to work with you. You never know, Max said. They shook. Good luck, up. Goodbye, Wolf. Alex walked out into the night. Thank you for listening to If I Reads. If you would like to see more of Alex Ryder, please follow and leave a five-star review.